Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And nice to be with you again. We are brought to you by JSL Solutions. Hi, my name is Steve Lacey. And I'm Phil Thompson, and JSL Solutions provides streaming video uh, with StreamingChurch.tv, also mobile apps with ChurchAppLive.com, and also website templates and church management tools from the the mothership, MyFlock.com. That's right. Yeah. That is us. What are we doing today? We are talking. So this is one of my pet peeves. Oh, it is? And, oh, Good. Yeah. I like oh. getting in on pet peeves. Oh, I, yeah. It just drives me nuts. We're going to talk about common church management problems. It's not smacking gum? That's is that that's not your pet peeve? Well, your pet peeve is when I scratch the back of my throat <laughs> when we're on Skype. <laughs> yes. But you notice when I put a different microphone in last week, you didn't hear that anymore, did you? I didn't. See? But I won't. I could give people an example of that, uh, <laughs> but let's not. So your pet peeve is, uh, is, is management, not... Gum smacking or uh, some chewing, other. Chewing with your mouth open, you mean? You know what my pet peeve is? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> no, I don't. Go ahead. <laughs> my pet do. peeve, one of my pet peeves, I have many, but one is getting stuck behind someone trying to merge on the freeway doing oh. 40 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone's going 75. Yeah. That is just drives me crazy. Um, it's almost every time. I, I have the same I deal with it all the time because I'm always getting on the interstate where I live, you know. Yeah. I, I have to almost always get on the interstate. Yeah. It's and, it is a problem. And I had a, a a good friend I worked with who was a little crazy, but he said something once that that I thought made a lot of sense. He said and it, that was a pet peeve of his, and he had a motorcycle. He was going through a motorcycle oh, yeah. phase. I could see that I a, a crotch yeah. rocket phase. Yeah. And he goes I merge at about 90. <laughs> I go, oh, really? He said, you know, I figure I can slow down a lot faster than I can speed up. He goes, so it makes it a whole lot easier to merge on the freeway. And I was like, that's true. You can slow down a lot faster than you can speed I up. I would be, as, as a motorcycle rider, and I am one, I would be a little concerned about that, though, because you know, if you're flying down the road on the bike and you have to hit your brakes... I don't know. That that could end. That could get kind of ugly. Well, you only have to go from ninety to sixty-five or something. You're not going <laughs> eighty-five it, to ninety. It's not going crazy. And he just he just he just made the point. He said yeah. it's a lot harder to yeah. accelerate from. You can decelerate really fast. So okay. when he had the opportunity, so I was like, I kind of thought that that does make a little bit of sense to me, but. People uh, think I'm crazy. I've maintained that the people that cause the most accidents are not the fast drivers. No. It's, it's the slow ones. It's not the necessarily slow one. It's the ones that aren't paying attention. It's the ones that are out and pre, you know, taking care of other, or their mind is somewhere else and they're not. Okay. It's pass, Driving is a very passive thing. Hmm. And then they go, ah. They, you know, I think that's where most of the, most of the accidents I think one of the most common accidents, we're really getting off topic here, yes, is, is uh, <laughs> when uh, you're at a stop sign and, and the person in front of you starts to take off and you look away or look to the right to, yeah. and they have stopped in front of you. Oh, so you're like, they're making a right turn. They're like making a right turn yeah. and they so take right off. So right on red, basically right on red. Yeah, and yeah. you think they're gone and going and right. so you look so away and you roll into them at five yeah. miles an hour. I've had that happen. Yeah. It's so, common. Anyway, and that's just, 
Yeah, not quite paying attention. Okay, what are we talking about today? So now that we've your pet peeve four minutes, yeah. So uh, I really would implore everybody to listen to this, especially if you're a pastor. And this may not be your forte, but you really should at least consider some of the things we're going to talk about. And that's the common church mismanagement problems. And uh, Rich Sider, who is a church consultant, gives five common management problems. Uh, that usually result in the confusion and conflict. And somebody that has been, I was operations manager for you know, radio stations for a long time, and then I executive pastor, which is basically management for churches. I was a senior pastor for about eight years, and I'm kind of back in as a part-time role for a small church as an executive pastor. And I'm telling you, these problems can come back to bite you and it can cause, they can cause a lot of problems in your church and, and limit your growth and create just conflict and gossip and all sorts of stuff. So that's why we're talking about that today. And, and yeah, I, I mean, the priority of most people listening to this, especially if you're a pastor is, Hey, we want to minister to our members and our communities. We want to reach people. Uh, and so a lot of times there's not a lot of priority on how things are managed and how systems are put into place in the church organization. But again, uh, you really need to recognize some of these issues and address them because they can lead to better things if they're fixed. If they're not, then you can get stuck. All right. Clear enough. So, so we have the top five, according to yeah. Exciter, Rich. management yeah. problems yeah. that happen in yeah. in. So let's jump into it. All uh, right, halfway through the podcast. So, uh, yeah. All right. So the first no, one. Let's talk about traffic. No. <laughs> we definitely have it here in Tucson, but it's getting better now that the snowbirds are gone. But again, we have digressed. So the first one is lack of clear lines of responsibility and accountability. So you know, again, you have church staff. And church staff, of course, a common joke is they have as many bosses as they have members. But uh, And that's probably an exaggeration, but you can run into some issues here where you have uh, <clears throat> leadership teams and different groups within the church trying to do things, trying to do ministry, and you have staff. And so you a lot of times will run into some issues of who's responsible for what and the accountability that goes with all those things. And it can create quite a mess. So uh, the bottom line is that you want to have some structure here, some kind of uh, infrastructure that kind of governs your authority of what you can do as a staff, what, what board people can do, what leadership team people can do, people involved as volunteers. And if you can communicate that and communicate their responsibility effectively, then that division kind of begins to, to become, becomes minimal. Right. Are you and with I think, me on that? Yeah, there's... A couple of aspects to this. There's, you know, we're talking about lack of clear lines of responsibility and accountability. So right. there's a there's a thing that starts to fall apart within the staff members if that's not really clearly delineated, mm-hmm. right. and then people make assumptions yeah. about, oh, why does you know Mary have Joe doing that when I think I should be the one doing right. that, and so they. It creates all this strife and and problems just interpersonally or right. within your your group as well as yeah. um, may or may not have the right people getting you know that have the right skills for the right thing. So right. not having a clear um, delineation mm-hmm. of 
who's responsible for what, and that's going to feed into yeah. your training programs right. for what, you know, yeah. okay, we're going to have Susie is going to take this training course because that's yeah. her neck of the woods. Sure. And so, yeah, there's all yeah. kinds of you get issues that not just the confusion and things not getting done, but they'll, it can be become a very emotional conflict conflict yep. thing with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, and again, I realize that some people listening to this podcast, like, well, uh, I don't care about that stuff. Well, you really should, you know, I know you care about the people and, and ministering to people and reaching your community, but uh, you know, this is where somebody that has some management experience could help out. Even if you're a small church and you don't have an executive pastor, maybe you've got somebody that's in your church that has done some management because honestly, uh, you know, I think management stuff, for the most part, goes across the lines. I mean, I was in radio station management for years, and I I brought a lot of the same principles that I used in secular. Well, actually, I was in Christian broadcasting, but you know, in a in a business that wasn't church, I brought it over right. to church and improved what was going on because there's just principles. That if you if you understand those things and can implement those things, even if they're not perfect, will make a big difference. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm trying to say here. So so get some clear lines of responsibility and some accountability. And, and I I have seen areas where this has gone overboard. It can to it can the point sure. where yeah, especially in my past careers, there was yeah. areas where yeah things would you know, were just were. Just way overboard on this. Like, no, that's my job. I get to carry your box from here to there. Yeah. That's well, that's not what we're talking about, right? Here, yeah. But yeah, you you can always go to extreme on everything. Right. All I'm saying is, I've been with a number of churches over the years. Okay, covering like four decades. And this is a weakness. What we're talking about today is a weakness in many churches, especially the smaller ones. Uh, it can be a problem in big churches too, but normally. If they can fix these things first, then it will allow you to grow and be more effective. So let's move on because it gets better here. So number two, (laughs) poor continuity in your leadership. And so when I say poor continuity here, uh, we're not just talking the pastor and the staff. We're also talking about your your leadership team, your lay leadership. Uh, If you want to call them board members, you can do that. Some people call them leadership teams. So there can be so many people going in and out particularly the board usually. And that can create a problem if, again, the vision and and, and the clear understanding is not communicated. And normally what most board people have is they have people serve maybe three years and then they take a year off perhaps and then they come back if if you want them back or if they want to come back. Uh, But what's good to do is is stagger those things. So you don't have three or four people leaving, depending on how large your board is. You don't have a bunch of people leaving, and then you got a bunch of new people coming in. And you almost, in some ways, have to reinvent the wheel because there hasn't been effective communication on their vision, the mission, and what they're supposed to do. And I have not had a lot of experience in this issue because I've been with the same church forever, and it seems like I've had the same people. Yeah, that can and be common. So we 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 haven't suffered from a, a problem with poor continuity of leadership yeah. that I've been exposed yeah, to. Yeah, I would say, you know, working with your church that I did for a number of years, that's probably true. Uh, plus, your, your, your leadership team was structured maybe a little differently than some churches structure theirs. And we'll get into that in just a moment uh, because there's different structures and there's different ways people set up their boards, so to speak, and 
you know, all that stuff. But, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so the bottom line is, uh, you know, you might consider a longer, if your board, if your leadership team or board has kind of short term, you know, you might want to consider lengthening that a little bit uh, or at least stagger it so you don't have a bunch of people going off at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of work it so that it's not a huge deal. All right. All right, number three on our list is unwillingness to delegate and trust. Unwillingness. Like a, yeah, to de- so again, this is a problem in churches, you know. I mean, people people are humans and humans have issues, insecurities, fears and whatever. Uh and so uh what a lot of times happens and I've I've experienced this the last 5 years especially is that uh, sometimes it's hard for the church boards to stay focused on the big picture. And so uh, the big picture being, of course, your mission, your church's vision, your church's goals. And sometimes what's happening, what, what I've seen happen is there can be a micromanaging. There can be, again, some boundary issues mm-hmm. where different board people start getting involved in things they, they really shouldn't be involved in. So there's a model that my church uses and your church uses, is I think, a version of this. It's called the Carver model. And it's just a model that defines boundaries within uh, board members and, you know, your, your staff people. And what I found is that if you can continually reinforce those, you know, every so often it keeps everybody in track. Uh-huh. You're smiling. Why is I, this? I'm just, I, it's, um, I think when we adopted the Carver thing, I was actually on the board at the, at the okay. time and the, they said, we're going to take on this Carver uh, model. We need everybody to read this book. Oh, and yeah. so the book was like 4,000 pages long yeah, or something like yeah. that. And it was the driest yeah, thing yeah. I had ever read. And I was, yeah. I was a little upset because when we came back to, okay, you know, before the next board meeting next month, make sure you've read, read yeah. through, you know, chapters 1 <laughs> through 19. And so I did. And I came back and I was the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was ah, too busy. Uh, and I was like, oh, and it was so painful, man. <laughs> but anyway. Well, the Carver model, I think, from my experience, is a good model. It probably but, is a good model. But, it doesn't make a good book. You no, know, it's probably not the best <laughs> reading material. But it's it's basically just delegating and, and, and understanding the roles. And, for instance, at my church, and yours is, I think, the same way, you know, the staff does the day-to-day operations. The staff makes day-to-day decisions with operations, you know, and, and, the, and the, the leadership team is kind of holds us accountable with our budget and, and holds us accountable to our vision. You know, are, are the decisions that the staff is making, is that consistent with our mission and our values and our, you know. Right. That's, and, and what I had seen being, you know, I have, I've not been a part of a church staff, but I have been a part of a church board. Right. And I have seen the tendency for the board to start trying to micromanage some mm-hmm. of the stuff that the sure. staff should yeah. be doing. So that the yeah. focus is, you know, let's point the ship mm-hmm. from a board direction rather than let's try to figure out how to right. get Susie's discipline action in place or, you know, whatever, right. whatever. Some, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, when I, again, came on, where I'm at now part-time in a part-time role, I was explained, oh, yeah, we're using a carver model. Oh, great. So I came on, 
And it was like nothing. It's like it was nothing at all close to the Carver model. <laughs> they were just micromanaging. In fact, I was in this heated discussion, and one of the board members looked at me and said, do you think we're micromanaging? I said, yeah, actually, I think you do. And then one of the other guys, oh, no. You know, so it was just a mess. And I basically said, I told the senior pastor who wasn't there at the time, I said, look, I said, if this is the way you guys run your boards, I'm not coming anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and we eventually fixed it. All we fixed, all we did was just define, redefine what the roles were. And we went over that usually a couple times a year. And there's some other things that we would have in our agenda that can appoint people to that. So for the most part, we stayed on track, but you have to make those things clear. Otherwise people will just get off track and then you start having issues. All right. So number four on our list. Here. Number four, as we move on here is lack of strong policies and procedures that are communicated and followed. Now, again, this sounds kind of dry. We'll get to the good stuff here in a moment. Uh, so Look, this is most of the people listening that are in ministry could care less about this. They just want to get people saved. They want to help people reach God. They want to help people grow spiritually. But you really do need to have some type of policies, some type of procedures clearly defined in some way so that not just the staff, not just the board, but also the congregation has a good understanding of of, of how things are done and and, and why things are done a certain way. And again, if you're not one of those people, you should find somebody that is, that can work with you, understand your vision and values, you know, and, yeah. and help define this stuff. So I have a question for you that I don't know the answer for is, um, I can see, you know, I've been part of primarily non-denominational churches and some mm-hmm. denominational churches and the denominational churches I've been a part of, it seemed like they had a little more, of this in place than the non-denominational. So, um, so I assume that, so if you're part of a denominational church, they're going to come with these things and say, here's how we operate. Here's our procedures and policies. And paragraph four, section one says the, you know, this guy should do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've been a part of the, for the most part, non-denominational movement for years. But when I was in Kansas as a senior pastor, I was, I found myself in a small community with a bunch of denominational churches and pastors. And we were on this ministerial association and it really opened my eyes to what they had to deal with compared to me that was starting a church. So they're, they're coming from, Oh my gosh, you got these policies and procedures I got to follow. Yeah, They, they didn't, you know, but, and, and the reason they have a lot of that is because, Somebody years ago in, in, a, in a certain denomination decided, yeah, we really should have some of this stuff. It would be helpful. And then it's probably that's probably why you might see more denominational churches have more structure because of their history, because of they've been around for a while versus some of us fly by. I don't want to say I almost said fly by night. I'm sorry. Fly by the seat of our pants. That's not really what I'm trying to infer here. But when you're non-denominational, so you're saying non-denominational churches fly by the seat of their pants. Uh, <laughs> some of them do. Uh, but they I, I mean, you know, sometimes there's a freedom sometimes, which is, again, we're, this is a whole nother podcast for another, another time and another's program. But, you know, sometimes as a non-denominational pastor, you have a little more freedom to do things. And, and there's a lots of things, you know, there's pros and cons to both, to be honest right. with you. There so, really are pros and cons to both. So this is this, you know, again, Rick Snyder's list of the top yeah. five. Yeah. So is, which I would agree with. Yeah. So yeah. a lack of strong policies and procedures. So number five. 
So, so here's where we get into a little bit more of the meat of the podcast, and that would be poor administrative systems that don't constantly deliver basic products and services. Now, that sounds like a secular sales thing, but the truth is it, it applies to, to ministry. It applies to church. So every church has a few basic administrative systems in place, or should, and you probably have something in place, even if it's not the best thing in the world, that will help your members get focused on your mission and your vision. Hopefully you have something. All right, so what are examples of some of these things? All right, so examples would be, you know, uh, your systems of your finances. So, you know, how are your donations? How's your banking? What, you know, who pays the bills? How do the bills get paid? The payroll, who handles your payroll? Uh, who handles the financial reporting? Those kind of things. Those are systems that you, you know, that's one of the systems, your financial mm-hmm. system. And, and look, this is very important. People are giving their money to you. So you need to be accountable and you need to have it together on how things are done and they need to be done appropriately. That's one area. Uh, another area that some churches have and some don't is membership. Uh, most have membership. Some don't have membership. But or, you know, Yeah. I, and I've we've I've interfaced with some churches. That I'm like very surprised they have no yeah. system in place over membership. Yeah, yeah. it's I'm like it's and they're probably non-denominational, right? Not to, to pick on the non-denominational people, but with communicating with your members and tracking your members yep. and getting your yep. members organized. I mean, some of these things are going to well tie together. We talk about. Um, Groups, you know, that how you track the membership right. and what what members are a part of what group, and yep. how I communicate with these people and track them, track yep. visitors, follow up with visitors, all that sort of thing. Yeah, and again, you know, I'm going back to the same thing I've mentioned several times. You know, there may be the average pastor listening to this might not be interested in some of this stuff, but you should be at least interested enough, especially in the, these next few things we're talking about here, finances and membership. You know, are you really reaching people? Are you connecting with people? Are you meeting their needs? Well, if you have a good membership tracking program, some kind of a system, you should be able to have the answers to that. Now, this is getting into the area of administration, obviously, which is hard for some people. But again, uh, if you can't afford to have an executive pastor or some kind of a director, that's, find somebody yeah, that could typically volunteer. Typically the one that's kind of over making sure this is all happening, right? Yeah, it's really necessary. The other one is groups within, the ch- groups within your congregation. So you know, hopefully you have people involved in your church that are in part of different areas, small groups, cell groups, uh, different uh, outreach groups. You know, maybe you're reaching people with, you know, helping you know, the gospel rescue mission or helping those less fortunate. You know, you have different areas of ministry that you're doing. And, you know, who's managing those? And, and how is that being, you know, accounted for as far as, you know, what's this group doing? What's this group doing? You know, how else are you going to know? So, again... Uh, you know, if you're weak in certain areas and you're monitoring these kind of things, you can improve them. But if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know uh, how many people did we send to the, you know, to help feed the poor, you know, last week? Well, we don't remember. We had two, maybe we had five. You know, it just, right. you know, it's a numbers game. So in the next, in this subcategory is facilities. Yeah. So yeah. that's who's responsible for maintenance. Right. A lot, I think a Pretty common thing is that people uh, don't manage well as long-term maintenance issues. Yeah, that's true. For, yeah. you know, oh, we've had this AC unit for 27 yeah. years now. Yep. And, and we're we surprised that it quit working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did it quit? 
Yeah. Now we haven't serviced it for 20 years. Yeah, and, th- and that's going to feed into how I budget things. Yep. So I need to, yep. you know, long-term facilities, yeah, just, maintenance things. Say, hey, one of these days that AC unit's going to go out and we're yeah. going to need 20 grand. Yeah, and so, it's going to go out when it's Sunday morning and it's 95 degrees outside and humid. Yeah, so let's... Uh, yeah, I just spent 500 bucks a couple of weeks ago with, you know, I... The AC guy serviced. We had six units. And the AC guy serviced them. Charged me five hundred bucks. But hey, I'd rather have the pay the five hundred bucks. I've got it budgeted. Then you know the come some Sunday morning here in Tucson, Arizona, mm-hmm. and it's you know hot outside and the AC's not working. So facilities. Yes. Who does that? Who yeah. handles that? So and then next door is staff and. Yeah. Kind of We've somewhat covered, talk this yeah. through, right? Yeah. Making sure you have a personnel manual and how things are going to work, policies and yeah. that sort of thing. And again, this this is not real attractive to some people, but you really should have a policy manual or you at least should have a very clear job description. And you should be, whoever the staff is reporting to, that needs to be a consistent thing, uh, how often you do it or whatever, it, to make sure... These, these people are fulfilling their job description. You know, how are they doing? Are they improving? Right. Are they getting worse? And, and if I've got a larger ministry, a lot of times I'm going to have somebody that their full-time job is finance and another one's yeah. just membership and another right. one's facilities. And, yeah, yeah. So, and here's right. the last one that's important. Which is what? Communication. That's not important. Communication. So... Again, you know, who's communicating and, you know, you could tie social media into this as well. Uh, Communication about what's happening with the church, you know, all the different areas that you use, your newsletter, your program, uh, you know, social media. And and by the way, you know, what and how decisions are being made and who's doing this. I saw a really, I thought, a really good thing that was, it was a larger, much larger ministry, but I think any minute, every ministry needs to do this. And that was basically putting together a style guide for communication for their, for the church. So there was, you know, it was like, hey, these are our team colors. These are our team fonts. And your brand. And yeah, kind of your brand, your brand colors, your brand fonts. And so everything that we go out is going to go out in Helvetica 12 point or, you know, whatever right. it is. And, yeah. and it becomes the, and it's something easy to Consistency. do is just establish, you know, what's going to be, right. what's our communication is going to look like. Yeah. And you just, they, they actually wrote a, st- a style guide that just basically said, yeah. okay, here's, here's the, here's the colors, here's the fonts, here's the, yeah. Um, you know, image galleries are going to come from here and that sort of thing. Yeah. And especially now, especially with social media too, you know, you can carry this into social media because, you know, if you've got two or three people posting on your Facebook page, your church's Facebook page, and they've got a whole different idea on what they should be posting, the type of content they should yeah. be posting. Yeah. Even the voice of the communication yeah. needs to be kind of got to be coordinated. Yeah. yeah. And again, this stuff, it takes time to do some of this. It's but challenging. It's not that hard though right but once you get it in place you can always tweak it a little bit but you can keep going with it and you can make changes with it as time goes on and, and, and modify it some but you've got to have something yeah and it's going to overall just kind of level raise the level of professionalism of your organization if yeah, you and, take into account these things some of the like you said it's going to run smoother it's going to look better um less it's conflicts. Be less conflict a little more efficient 
And, and the bottom line is, you know, when you have less conflict and, and you don't have some of these management problems, when people walk into your church, and again, I'm getting back to new people coming into your church, it's it's kind of weird, but they can kind of sense a vibe sometimes. If there's problems within the uh-huh. church and people are bickering, they can kind of pick up on that vibe. And if you've got things going smooth because you've put some of these things we talked about in place, uh, you'll you'll get new people that will embrace what you're doing. They'll be a part of your church. Your church will grow. You'll reach more people and uh, life can be good as opposed to such a struggle because we got, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen and this guy's doing this and he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. So getting on the freeway, going too slow or they're going too slow when they get on the freeway. We can put that in the manual. All right. So we're done here, but we'd love to get your feedback on this as always. Send us an email support at streamingchurch.tv. And, uh, you know, you can always find this Church Solutions podcast on iTunes. You can find it on, on any any podcast provider should have us. Just do a search, subscribe to it. You'll never miss us. We're on YouTube as well, but, uh, you know, check us out and share it with a friend. All right, so we're done, right? We are done. Good enough. All right, we'll talk about traffic next week, uh, and I can concur with you on some of that. But anyhow, he is Steve Lacey. I am Phil Thompson. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the Church Solutions Podcast. Have a great day. We will catch you next time.